98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort Masters, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. And away we go. Thank you, Eric, with the top stories of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. The 4 o'clock reset. We present you the top stories every day at straight up 4 o'clock here on Burns and Gambo. We start, then we'll end with the Suns and the Grizzlies tonight and the the news you've been wanting to hear if you're a Suns fan about tonight's game. Cam Johnson, JaVale McGee will both return to the court tonight, according to Monty Williams. We'll preview more of this game later in the 4 o'clock reset, but that's the news about tonight's game. Yeah, good to get Cam back. Six games to go for him, so I'll have the opportunity to uh, you know get back in in great shape. Yep, uh, more about that game in a moment. Diamondbacks news. Pitcher Merrill Kelly and the Diamondbacks, a two-year contract extension, runs through 2024. There's a team option for 2025. Jeff Passan reports that it's valued at $18 million. Well worth it. I mean, he's a solid, you know, guy that's going to give you six innings every time out. He's been a good Diamondback pitcher. He's a solid number three guy in the rotation. You're going to give the ball to him. You're not going to have to worry about using the whole bullpen because he's a bulldog. He's going to get you a lot of innings. Nice line score today by Madison Bumgarner, by the way, against Ooh. the Chicago Cubs. Five innings, no runs, no walks, six strikeouts, no home runs allowed today. And lines him up for a day one start, right? Indeed it does. Because you got now Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then the opener is Thursday. Thursday. Yep. Lines him up. Uh, he has spoke very glowingly of the new pitching coach, Brett Strom, and what he's brought to the team in terms of the blend of the analytics, the information, and kind of the old school pitching coaching mentality. Arizona head basketball coach of the men's team, Tommy Lloyd. Another award for the old shelf, AP Men's Coach of the Year for Tommy Lloyd and the Cats. Yeah, it did an amazing job. I was looking at a John Wilner piece the other day, and he was kind of looking at like, you know, who's leaving and who's coming back and you know Matherin's going to be gone Coloco's going to be gone but they're expecting Tubelis back and Kerr back and a lot of the guys back they think Arizona will be a top two team in the Pac-12 next year. Final four this weekend on the men's side tomorrow the first game it starts about 10 minutes after 3 o'clock second seeded Villanova versus top seed Kansas and then of course the game tomorrow at about 6 o'clock in the evening eighth seeded North Carolina against second seeded Duke. And somewhere in this country there's a bunch of fans not going to a country music concert because of it. In San Antonio, they are being deprived of their Eric Church concert because Eric Church canceled the concert so he can wow. go see Duke, North Carolina. Tonight, it's the women's Final Four. Heck of a lot of chalk on the floor this evening. Top seed Louisville versus top seed South Carolina. That's the first game. It tips off any minute now. In fact, it's just about to. Then later tonight, second seeded UConn taking top seeded Stanford on tonight. Stanford, the defending national champion. Champs beat Arizona in that game last year. Absolutely. And UConn and Tara Vandeveer, the coaching matchup there, one of kind of historical perspective. Baseball roundup, some news around Major League Baseball today. The Dodgers have traded outfielder and former Diamondback A.J. Pollock to the Chicago White Sox for closer Craig Kimbrell. The rich just get richer right there, right? They had a plethora of outfielders, so losing A.J. is not a big deal. But Kenley Jansen went to the Atlanta Braves, and so they needed a closer. They end up getting Craig Kimbrell. So, you know, a guy who's been one of the best closers in baseball for the last decade. Jacob deGrom going to be sidelined for four weeks. Stress reaction in his shoulder. How many weeks is he going to be out? Four weeks. Wow, okay. All right, I didn't see that. 
Yeah, uh, that's the New York Mets announced today. They said four weeks he's out. That's a significant amount of time. in a statement on Friday. The Mets said Degrom won't mm. throw for up to four weeks. Did you draft him in your fantasy baseball league? Oh, uh, fantasy baseball draft is on Sunday. Oh, you haven't had it haven't yet. Had it yet? Nice. I haven't. So had does that it make yet. you skip Degrom, or do you still try? Do you just basically try to get him for cheaper later? He's usually one of the first guys gone. He usually is. I'll try to get him for a little cheaper later, but I imagine he'll still be very. I, I, I got my kid Max Scherzer as a number one pitcher because Degrom was gone. It's pretty good. It's not that bad, That's right? Pretty good. Yeah, he's. Very dependable. Still very dependable. Yeah. You got a note on Scherzer? What do you have for him? Yeah, this was Heyman literally 25 minutes ago. Scherzer said he's unconcerned about a hamstring tweak. Thought very minor at this point. That'll be fine. Okay. He'll be fine. He, he doesn't have a stress reaction. I got, my kid, I got my kid Canley Jansen as his closer. Mm-hmm. And then later on, Kimbrell. Go so his, his two closes are Jansen and Kimbrel. See, you're a fantasy player after I all. I tried to help him. But our top story of the day on the Burns and Gambo show is the Suns and the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, we're going to preview this matchup extensively coming up in just about five minutes from now when we'll have one of the top beat writers on who covers the Memphis Grizzlies to kind of look at this team and where they are. But as I mentioned at the outset, Cam Johnson back, JaVale McGee back, Suns are full strength. The Grizzlies would appear to be anything but full strength. We know John Morant has been ruled out. These guys are doubtful. Desmond Bain is doubtful. Steven Adams is doubtful. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. is doubtful. Tyus Jones, doubtful. All doubtful for tonight's game. All D'Anthony Melton all the time right now. Grizzlies, so the son. It's not a true preview of what could be the Western no. Conference Finals, no. you know, it, and it's in a way, it's too bad that we're being deprived of that. I would have enjoyed seeing that. I would have enjoyed watching that on a Friday night. You know, the one thing to take out of tonight is just the franchise record. Yes, they've, they've tied the franchise record. They could stand alone. I mean, you think of the history of this organization from the '60s on. Um, this will be the most win that any Phoenix Suns franchise has ever had. And this, this, this think about all the decades that the Suns have been in existence. This team right here. And boy, I'll tell you, you know, you just go back a few years ago when they were winning 20 and 30 games. If somebody would have told you, no way, we're just relax. Within the next few years, they're going to have more wins than any Suns teams have ever had. You just never would have believed it. If I would have, if I would have taken you back to, um, you know, those years, four years ago, you know, and this team was on a stretch of all those 20 win seasons to think that they could have the, in a few years, they could have the best Suns team of all time. Nobody would ever believe no, it. No, nobody would have, nobody would have believed it. And these two teams might very well be on a collision course with each other uh, in the Western Conference Finals. I think a lot is going to depend, frankly, on the Golden State Warriors and where they end up. I mean, the Golden State Warriors. I think somebody said that they could, they could even end up sixth. Potentially. Like things fall apart for them. Like like things would have to. I'm looking at the. I had the NBA standings up a minute ago. They are two games removed from being the sixth seed mm. in the Western Conference. Okay, they, and who would they play if they fall to six? They would play Dallas. Dallas. They play Dallas, and then they'd be on the other side of the bracket. Right now, Golden State is four, and they would play the Utah Jazz at number five if the season ended today. Which means. The Warriors would be your second-round matchup, and Gambo and I agree, and I think most Suns fans would agree. I would love to see Golden State and Memphis on the other side of the bracket from the Phoenix Suns. Don't fear them, but have a healthy dose of respect for them, and I would love to see those two teams beat the hell out of each other in the Western Conference semifinals. Yeah, because if you do play, you know, there is a benefit, right? If you... you If you get Golden State and the Suns-Golden State, say it is a 6-7 game series... 
you know, whoever comes out playing the Suns on the other side, maybe it's Memphis, and they're coming off of a four or five game series. You're well rested. These two teams just beat the hell out of each other. I still think that the Phoenix Suns are better than all of these teams. I don't think this, the Warriors could push them seven games, but I mean, I understand the importance of having those two teams play each other and you get maybe Dallas instead. I think that'd be a big benefit. So we've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. It works like all of your favorite podcasts. You can simply subscribe on your iPhone or your Android. You're not going to miss any of our shows delivered to you, however, whenever, wherever you want to listen to it. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast brought to you by the Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley Group. Get the most money selling your home for cash. Go to highestprice.com. That's highestprice.com. This Memphis team has seen a similar turnaround, much like the Suns. What's contributed to that success? You'll find out next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The home of the Suns, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. And listen live on the Arizona Sports app. Burns and Gambo. The Suns run to the playoffs, presented by Canvas Annuity. Welcome back. It's the Burns and Gambo Show here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, flagship home of the Phoenix Suns, who tonight are in Memphis, Tennessee, taking on the Memphis Grizzlies. And joining us right now on the 72-sold sports line to talk about a team that very well could face the Suns in the Western Conference Finals, Drew Hill, beat writer who covers the Grizzlies for the Daily Memphian, who joins us on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Drew, I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Well, Drew, it's fun to look back. You know, we were, we were talking about this earlier in the show. Four years ago, how, how bad the Phoenix Suns, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Dallas Mavericks were, and now they're the top three teams in the West. We know very well how Phoenix got to where they are, but talk talk to me about, besides the John Morant luck in the draft, that year they were hoping to give the draft pick to the Celtics, what were the moves, right? They had Tony Allen, Zach Randolph, Marcus Gasol, and, and Mike Conley. What were the big moves that the Grizzlies made besides jaw to get them to this point? Honestly, a lot of it has just been drafting very, very well. Uh, before they had jaw, they drafted Jaron Jackson Jr., who showed a little bit of, of, of shooting early in his career. Then he had the inside scoring presence, but, but he's become a really tremendous defender. He's a defensive player of the year um, candidate, at, at least an outside candidate for that award. Um, so uh, that was a great draft pick. Desmond Bain was a fantastic draft pick for the Memphis Grizzlies. The last pick of the first round, he's turned into a 20-point-per-game scorer, and he's been great um, you know, alongside Ja as a shooter um, for the Grizzlies. So that was another tremendous draft pick. And then they've just found guys that fit well around those players. The, the Stephen Adams trade was uh, criticized pretty heavily this offseason because Jonas Valanciunas was such a, a good scorer inside. But the way that the Grizzlies saw it was that Steven is a more versatile defender and probably a little bit better of a rebounder than Jonas Valanciunas was. And he wasn't going to demand the ball on offense, so the shots would get to go to the right guys. And then you, you got to mention a guy like Tyus Jones, who they brought in as a backup point guard uh, before Ja arrived, and he's really been so steady for them uh, in that role when Ja has missed games this year. And he doesn't turn the ball over. He's a great passer, uh, a decent shooter. And, you know, when you combine all those things together, uh, it, it's just been a, a tremendous recipe for success. And I should also mention Dylan Brooks as well. He was a second-round draft pick, you know, the year before Jaron got there, and, and there weren't very high expectations for him when he comes in. Um, but he's kind of the heart and soul of the team. He's the little bit of crazy that every team needs. And so uh, it, it's just been a great 
recipe, um, and, and you you got to give Zach Kleiman in the front office a lot of credit for figuring out a way to usher out the old generation of Grizzlies that you mentioned and bringing in these new guys, and they're just a fearless team with a lot of guys that for you know whatever reason have a huge ship on their shoulder everyone knows John Morant's story but the same can be said for a guy like Desmond Bain who went in the last pick of the first round and played four years of college and another zero star recruit out of high right, school right um, they, they've just drafted guys that want are, are want to work hard and feel like they're underrated and uh, I think that that really you know, works well off of each other. Drew Hill, Grizzlies beat writer for the Daily Memphian. He joins us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. And then, of course, there, there's Jaw. But before I ask you about Jaw, I kind of want to ask you about life without Jaw. And in your opinion, uh, I mean, all, and I'm, I imagine, I don't want you to repeat yourself necessarily because you just spoke glowingly about all those other guys. Is that the core reason why they've been able to do so well without him? Is some of it schedule-based? What's been sort of the reason behind the great record without John Morant? It's a combination of both. Um, I think earlier in the season when you looked at it and they went on that 11-game win streak when when Ja was not there, a lot of that was schedule-based. You know, It was in the middle of the COVID stuff going on where every team was just throwing out a roster of guys off the street, it felt like, um, and the Grizzlies had great depth. They, they drafted so well uh, and, and pieced together guys on the back end of their rotation who may not even see very many playoff minutes, but they're good enough to win games when the other team is missing their best player. So that was certainly a part of it. And then the other part of it is they've just had guys step up so well. And as of late, that opinion of, of the scheduling has changed a little bit. I mean, they beat the, the Brooklyn Nets on a game on ESPN without John Morant, where both Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant played combined for 78 points and lost. They've never scored that many points and lost, uh, you know, as a duo. And then they turned around and followed up that win uh, with another blowout over the Milwaukee Bucks, who didn't have Drew Holiday, but they did have Giannis and they did have Chris Middleton. Um, and those were both – highly impressive wins for whatever reason they just shoot the ball a lot better when jaw is not on the court um i I think it's just a mentality thing we've got to make up the points somehow so they for for whatever reason they've shot it a lot better from three-point range and then um in addition to that it's just the attitude of you know, no one seems – no one, I guess, prior to the last two months really took the Grizzlies seriously, and I think there was a motivation there to prove everybody wrong. Yeah. And that combination of things has really worked out well for the Grizzlies when they haven't had Jaw. Yeah, no, Jaw's unbelievable in the open court, right? But not a great shooter, not a great half-court player. And a lot of people feel like, you know, when his team gets to the playoffs, you know, they thrive on possessions, you know, forcing turnovers, getting offensive rebounds, but not in a half-court court that when you get to the playoffs and it becomes more half half court Memphis could struggle do you buy that I buy it to a degree um, I, I, I'm not fully invested in that I think that the Grizzlies are going to be able to play their own game in the playoffs I know everyone says that the game slows down and that is true to a degree it does become a little bit more of a half court game but the Grizzlies are so good at getting out in transition but they're getting out in transition off of missed free throws, off of made baskets. They'll just inbound it as quick as possible and race down the floor. And I think that they're not going to change. That's not changing when they get to the playoffs this season. So um, they're still going to be able to play fast. I believe that. 
But at the same time, I think you're right. They are going to have to be better in the half court. Um, and they seem to play a little bit better in the half court when Jaw's not out there. He's just so dynamic and so aggressive that uh, that they are going to have to a few things to work out. And it's unfortunate for them that he's missing time right now with the knee because this is the time that they should be, you know, working out those kinks. And instead, you know, he's having to rest on the bench. Drew Hill, beat writer who covers the Memphis Grizzlies, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show from the Daily Memphian. It, it used to drive us crazy this time a year ago when people would talk about the Suns going into the playoffs and they'd say, oh, lack of experience this, lack of experience that. You, I, I know the Grizzlies went to the playoffs last year and lost in the first round of the Utah Jazz, but but sometimes that lack of experience card gets played when making an argument against Memphis. Is, is that legit when you start talking about their postseason hopes? Uh, again, I think it's it, the truth is somewhere in the middle yeah. here. Yes, they did go to the playoffs. I mean, Ja and both Dylan Brooks were tremendous in that entire series. Um, just because, you know, I mean, Ja scored 47 points in a loss in game two uh, at Utah last year. So we know that they can perform at a high level in the playoffs. The reason I, I, I don't buy that quite as much is because this Grizzlies team is just so different from a year ago. Uh, a year ago, they had Grayson Allen in the starting lineup. He was a hole defensively for them. Uh, now you've replaced him with Desmond Bain, who's been an even better shooter and a much better player. Uh, and he's you know definitely part of the mix. And the other side of this was the difference between Steven Adams and Jonas Valanciunas. So it is a different look Grizzlies team. Uh, and so I, for that reason, I'm not you know, willing to say that that inexperience is necessarily going to hurt them because I think it's going to be just a totally different look in general when the Grizzlies get to the playoffs than it was a year ago. So we'll see if this new version of the Grizzlies, if that experience helped them. Um, I'm not sure how much they're going to be able to lean on that. Leave me with this. One of the familiar faces for, for the Grizzlies is a guy played for the Suns and DeAnthony Melton. He's made 30 of his last 51 three-pointers. He's playing very well for them. What, what has happened with this game? I know he's hot and cold at times, but what has happened in Memphis where he's been able to get his career on track? Yeah, he's streaky. He, he's, he's definitely a streaky shooter. He's actually worked on his mechanics on that three-point shot um, quite a bit in these off-seasons. And part of, I think, the reason why Taylor Jenkins, as well as your guys' guy, Monty Williams, are two of the guys at the top of the list for Coach of the Year this season is because Taylor wants them to let it fly. And there's no one that he says, you know, let it fly to more than DeAnthony Melton. They always thought that he was a good shooter that early in his career the numbers did not reflect you know how good he was at, at letting it go from three-point range and you're starting to see um, what uh, uh, an inspiring coach and a little bit of confidence can do for a guy like that he disappeared in the playoffs last year I think if there's anyone that is critically important to the Grizzlies it is Jaron Jackson Jr. and DeAnthony Melton when it comes to playoff time they know what they're going to get from Ja for the most part Desmond Bain has been so steady. They know what they're going to get from him. Uh, they don't always know what they're going to get from DeAnthony and from Jaron. And so for that reason, I, I think he and Jaron Jackson Jr. are going to be super, super important and come playoff it, time. And if these two teams meet come playoff time, I'm going to remember you said that, Drew. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it, okay? 
Yeah, thanks, guys. Have a good one. That's Drew Hill. He covers the Grizzlies every single day for the Daily Memphian, and he joins us here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station and the 72-sold sports line. This is your last chance to participate in the madness, and we mean it. It's really your last chance. Text the word BUCKS to 620-620. Choose from the last four teams for your chance to win $500. Again, text the word BUCKS to 620-620. The Arizona Sports Bracket Bucks presented by Santan 4 and Schwartz Laser Eye Center. We've got another batch of mock drafts we want we want to share with you when we come back and also share with you a story making the rounds. Vance Joseph made a visit today. Who is he looking at? We'll tell you next on the Burns and Yambo Show. seemed like an odd Twitter poll question of the day, um, but there was a story that Gambo found in the L.A. Times about possible expansion and realignment in Major League Baseball, and no, it's not an April Fool's Day joke, and no, we don't do April Fool's Day jokes anymore on the Burns and Gambo show, because they're no. stupid juvenile ones. <laughs> stupid. But Dumb. the best one ever was the Sports Illustrated one with the Mets pitcher. Yes, the it Tibet- was. Tibetan monk who threw a hundred and... 12 miles an hour or whatever it was. It was, it was pretty Sid good. Finch. Oh, it wasn't good. It was great. It was, gr- oh, it was, it was it great. Was, it was great. I'll it's give the best you that. one ever. It was great. It's just, I, I've, I'm so sour when it comes to April Fool's Day jokes. Uh, now. It's just like, yeah, you know what wasn't great? That LeBron tweet. Like, it, that, LeBron, on, yeah, that LeBron tweet was so dumb. stupid. Hey, I'm, I'm done. they're shutting me down for the season because of my ankle. Emoji. Facepalm emoji. Yeah, okay, whatever. And I just, I hate it because, like, for you guys like you and I, the, the, the four of us, right? We're in the information business, right? It's what we do for a living. You know, some people get it in different ways. You, you're on the phone all day. I'm on, on the internet all day. I'm reading stuff. We're all, we're all gathering information. I hate it in like the information business where now on a day like today, I've got to be really careful. Like, is, is this legit? And I should be careful every day, but like, is this legit? Jeff Passon tweets out joke? DeGrom is injured and you're like, oh, wait. Exactly, right? Like, is he or is this ha 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 April Fool's Day? You know, it's, it's just stupid. 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 So it is. We did not, we did not. Did anybody at the station have a dumb April Fool's joke? Any of the shows? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. I, I, I hope not. I heard Kellen was on today, but that oh. was. God, that's the meanest thing you've ever said. Wow. That's the meanest thing that has ever come out of your mouth, Mitch. Whoa. I didn't know you you had that. Could you take him if he came in here right now? (laughs) He came in here right now, wanted to swing a swing. Could you take him? No, he's 6'5", man. I got no shot against Kellen. He's 6'5", but he's a... Go for the legs, man. He's 6'5". I have no shot. He's a dorky 6'5". Oh, man. Come on now. Could you take him or no? Okay, sorry. Maybe I should have said, oh, Jarrett was on updates. Oh, that was real fun. Well, uh-huh. that, that might have been more appropriate. I'm just I'm waiting just... for Kellen to come in, this, come in the room right now and just beat your ass. Mitch he's, is getting feisty in this segment. I, I, seriously, no. I did not know Mitch had that. Here, DNA. let me just save I everybody really the hassle. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update. Moving along. Presented by Sanderson Ford. Moving along. Do this to the poll question brought to you by Sanderson Ford. Eric, what's the Twitter poll question? Let me get to it before Mitch comes in here and swings on me. (laughs) Uh, The uh, LA Times had an article today proposing the MLB expands to 32 teams, and with that expansion would come a realignment of the divisions. Now, the D-backs would still see their usual NL West foes, but added to their division would be the Angels, A's, and Mariners. That's just one of four divisions. If you want to see all of them, head over to at Burns and Gambo. We've got a nice little list out there for you. But the question for you guys is, are you pro or against realignment? I'm for it. 
I'm fine. I'm against it. I'm fine with it. I'm More, against it. I don't. I mean, but why? I don't. I don't think the Yankees and Mets should be in the same division. Why? Because then they can play each other. Because they can play each other in the World Series. Okay. Dodgers and Angels. I like that this split National League and American League. Now let's take it from the Diamondbacks' perspective. Mm-hmm. From the Diamondbacks' perspective, okay. Yeah, I can. I can get on board with that from the Diamondbacks' perspective. Mix it up a little bit. Sure. So you don't have just the die because well, all the games against the Dodgers and the Padres and the Giants, which are going to start leveling it out a little bit next year anyway, because um, you're going to play everybody next year. They're going to play every team in baseball next year. And so every year the Diamondbacks will face the Red Sox and the Yankees. And one year it'll be here and Chase, and the next year it'll be it'll be there. So that's good. But if you split it up and then you have Seattle in there and you have the Angels, Angels in, sure. in there. From a Diamondbacks perspective, I could get on board with that. And, and, and I'm looking at it strictly from a Diamondbacks perspective. And, and I don't mind, you know, giving me something else other than the Colorado Rockies 14 times a year. You know, it's it's, it's nothing against the Rockies. Yeah. I could use a little, How about a little less, change less up every Dodgers? now and then. Sure, less, less Dodgers. Dodgers. And I do like the unbalanced schedule that's coming next year where there are more of everybody. I think that's one of the best ideas baseball's had in a long time because I want to see more teams. Teams, different teams all the time. So, yeah. what's our audience have to say about this? The audience is sixty six point eight percent for realignment. Thirty three point two percent are against it. All right, that's the poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. Uh, Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator of the Arizona Cardinals, attended Houston Cougars Pro Day today. Got a first hand in person look at defensive lineman Logan Hall and corner Marcus Jones. Hall is considered a top 50 prospect. ESPN's Todd McShay recently listed him in a tier of players who are often mocked as Cardinal targets. Texas A&M guard Kenyon Green, Purdue defensive end George Karloftis, Michigan edge David Ojabo. So he was there checking them out. Yeah, I mean, makes sense. I mean, you've got to be looking at these these players. Now, they've gone defense the last two years in a row, which makes some people think that they could go offense this year. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Their need for an edge rusher is probably greater than their need for a wide receiver. The problem is that the edge rushers, the top ones, could be gone by the time they pick, which is why I brought up yesterday the potential to move up in this draft to go get one of those guys. But after drafting Zayvon Collins last year and Isaiah Simmons the year before, there is a feeling that, okay, maybe they'll go get an offensive guy for Cliff. They still got a lot of offense. They got James Conner. They've got Zach Ertz. They've got DeAndre Hopkins. Do they need another receiver? Yes, they do. But you might be able to find that guy in a second round or even a third round. The need for an edge rusher may be greater than the need for a wide receiver. It's funny. That story that you mentioned yesterday, that, that idea, not even a story, that idea that you mentioned about the Cardinals moving up to get one of the edge rushers. Man, now you've, and I'm not blaming you for this. In fact, I'm thanking you for this. Now, every time I see a mock draft, mm-hmm. I'm going to look at it with where those edge rushers are, right? right? Like where, where? Okay, let's say let's say it happens and the Cardinals move up to get one of the four premier edge rushers in this I draft. Just have to put it down right there and just walk away. Where do they have to go? How I, high do they have to get? And I was thinking fifteen in Philly. Okay, that's what I was thinking. But I don't know. I mean, it might be higher because, again, I don't think the Purdue guy, I'm not putting the Purdue guy in as a guy they're going to move up and get. Okay. I got the Florida State kid and I got the Georgia kid as guys I believe that the Cardinals would be willing to move up to get. But I do not have the Purdue kid in there. The latest mock draft from Cynthia Freeland of NFL Network and NFL.com. All right. The Purdue guy is George Karloftis. 
She's got him going at number 14 to the Baltimore Ravens. The Florida State guy is Jermaine Johnson. He, as you suggested yesterday, could be a target for a move up. She's got him going ninth to the Seattle Seahawks. Trayvon Walker is the other guy you said could be a target. She's got him going eighth right. to the Atlanta Falcons. So now here's where it gets interesting, right? To get into that 8-9 range, you're going to pay the piper. Yes, you are. You're going to pay. You're going to give a first-round pick this year. You're probably going to have to give a first-round pick next year. If you could get to 15, you might be able to get away with the first and a second. But you might, to get into the top 10 to get one of those guys, if Cynthia Freeland's mock is right... To get that high, you're probably giving up next year's first-round pick. Yeah, probably, and then it probably also becomes a deal that you can't fully execute if you're the Cardinals until draft day, until the guy you want is there. Oh, 100%. Because you, you, can't, you can't just, no. hey, announce tomorrow the Cardinals now have the seventh pick in the NFL draft. You, you've, you, can't, you can't sacrifice next year's one unless there's a guy specifically that you want. draft day trade, you're right. Right, and, and you have to wait until you know he's there before you go get him. So that's one of those things. You talk about it beforehand. You line it up beforehand. You line up. If, hey, if you're picking, because you, what did we talk about yesterday, there's several teams that have more than one first-round draft pick. Yes. The Jets have more than first-round draft pick. The Philadelphia Eagles have three. Giants have two. The Giants have two. Those teams might be willing to say, you know what? I'll, I'm going to get a guy I really like. And then with the second one, if I could turn it into two first-round picks... Or a first and a second, I'm going to do that because I need a lot of help. So those teams with the multiple first-round picks are prime targets. The Jets, the Giants, the Eagles. I was looking at Eagles at 15 because I think at 15 you might be able to get away with not giving up next year's first-round pick. But I think if you go any, you start to get into the nine, you get to in the top 10, you're going to have to give up next year's first. Yeah, but the risk of only going to 15 is the guy you want just might not make it there. Man, but then what a run run on edge rushers. Oh, everyone's What a run on edge rushes they're going to be. And the reason why, and you you sent me this stat yesterday, not the stat, but this kind of factoid, the top four edges in this year's class, Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Karloftis, they've got the Purdue guy, and Walker, all would have been the top-ranked edge rusher in last year's class. They don't even have Jermaine Johnson on no. that list. No, and this is a good class. And and listen, it's a bad quarterback class, right? Yes. I mean, a lot of people, does Cynthia Freeland have a quarterback going early? Did you notice that? She's okay. Her mock, she doesn't. She does and, she's, and she wow, says, it, uh, wow. but she says it's wrong. She says she's like, I know this is wrong. She said on her mock draft, I did. I ran a simulation. This is what it spit out. It has no quarterbacks in the first round. And she even wrote that will not happen on draft day. There will be multiple quarterbacks that were go. I'm just telling you, my simulation I have right now says no quarterbacks. But she even she acknowledged there's no way that's going to happen on draft day. Quarterbacks will go. At least two. I told you the theory that I've heard. Some of these teams that need quarterbacks desperately might sit this one out and say, you know what? I don't, I'm not going to draft the quarterback in the first round. Who's not good enough. I'm just going to wait till next year. Yep. If you're headed to the Suns game on Tuesday, stop by, say hello to us. We're broadcasting live as the Suns take on the Lakers. We'll see you there as our road show is powered by FanDuel Sportsbook. Diamondbacks made an important signing today. Maybe not splashy to some, but perhaps doubling down on one of the best moves Mike Hazen has made since he joined the Diamondbacks. Seriously, that's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, afternoons. For the second time in a week, the Arizona Diamondbacks have done something. I'm not going to say it's unexpected. I'm not going to say it's like a total shocker or anything, but... It's interesting. 
that they've taken a guy on their roster and said, you know what? We like you. We want to make sure you don't go anywhere. We're going to keep you. Cattell Marte was the first one about a week ago. Merrill Kelly was the second today. Contract extension, two more years tacked on, picks up like $18 million in guaranteed money. Yeah. And I teased it. And in a way, it's the truth. I mean, if you like look at a list of everything that Mike Hazen has done since he's been the decision maker for the Diamondbacks, Low key bringing in Merrill Key was Merrill Kelly was one of his better moves. It was a low cost, low kind of not low risk, but it was sort of they took a flyer on a guy sure. from Korea who was a local kid who didn't have any big league experience at all. Was basically a rookie, right in a late twenties rookie, and he turned out to be a pretty decent addition to the Diamondbacks rotation over these years. Yeah, I think the boy, how long has Hazen been here? Because I think the Marte trade was the was his, was his one big trade, right? That's the That was one. like the first thing he did when he got yeah, here. Yeah, they, they got Taiwan Walker and Cattell Marte for Gene Segura, Mitch Hanniger, Zach Curtis. So that was the now they really liked Taiwan Walker who, you know, was just okay here, but it ended up Cattell Marte ended up being the big player in the deal and they gave up Gene Segura who had that one amazing year with the D-backs. Um, and I am just going back and I'm just looking at when that trade Marte is not to be an overlooked component of the Arizona on the side of the deal. He only recently turned 23 and already has the equivalent of a season's worth of big league plate appearances under his belt while he struggled both offensively and defensively. So, that, you know, he was not now, that he was a throw and they liked him and he ended up blasting into a, great, a really good player. Now, look, I said low key. All right. There have been other, you know, more notable uh, trades and moves that he has made. Yeah, I'm Gardner. And I just did a quick Google search. I don't know if anything he'll do will ever top acquiring JD Martinez for that half of the season. For that half of the season. He yeah. gave up nothing. He he gave up nothing for J.D. Martinez. And just hit bombs. And all he did was hit bombs. Yeah. All he did was, man. The Marte trade was his best trade. You're right. It was a good, solid signing. I mean, you know, you brought him here. He's been a solid pitcher. What I like about Merrill Kelly is just the ability to go to go five-plus innings every time out. And I said this. He had 27 starts last year. Only three of them were under five innings. He doesn't go one innings, one and two-thirds, two and two-thirds, three and a third. All of his outings are five innings plus, almost all of them. He's a solid. You give him the baseball, he's going to eat up innings for you. And teams need that so desperately. You need you because you don't want to burn your bullpen out with guys that you know can't get out of the fifth inning. Merrill Kelly consistently got you into the sixth inning, the seventh inning. My goodness, even sometimes the eighth inning, and that was a real plus for him. So he's a bulldog. He's got a great work work mentality. I, yep. I like him a whole lot as a number three pitcher. You, you know, you you could probably do better, but you could probably do a lot worse too. Yeah, you can. And and for the money that they're paying him, I mean, it's again like Cattell Marte. It's kind of one of those no brainers for both sides. It's like okay, we get a little cost certainty with this guy, and we're going to give you eighteen million dollars. And for Merrill Kelly, it's like okay, I'm, I'm they're kind of going the Cardinals route right here, right? You sign a couple of like you know no name guys or older, you know. Signed a couple of guys on one-year deals where they, they got Mark Melanson, they mm-hmm. got Ian Kennedy. You know, don't do anything splashy. Just try to fill a couple of needs, and then you take care of your own guys. Yeah, the, the guys that you want to make sure you, you keep around. And, and so Merrill Kelly becomes another one of those. Opening day, six days away now. It's a week from yesterday when the Diamondbacks will open up the season against Bob Melvin and the San Diego Padres. Bob and Melvin and the Padres. Bob Melvin and the San Diego Padres. Buck Showalter and the New York Mets when they come to town. Oh that'll, that'll be that'll be. <laughs> That'll be How weird. That guy back in baseball. That'll, that'll, it was like the off season was so dominated by the lockout. Like when the lockout was done, you're like, okay, I got to remind myself what happened before the lockout. Oh yeah, they hired Buck Showalter. 
Right. You know, like he was like first Diamondback manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's some of these things that you forgot about. Big trade today in Major League Baseball yes, as well. AJ Pollock going from the Dodgers to the Chicago White Sox in exchange for Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, Kenley Jansen was their closer. He went to the Braves, and now they get Craig Kimbrell, who's been one of the best closers in baseball for a decade. I mean, he's been fantastic. The White Sox needed an outfielder. The Dodgers said, you know, we got a bunch of guys that can replace AJ Pollock. He was a good locker room guy. They liked him. He had some injuries while he was there, but there was a need for, and they've got that other guy with the Blake trainer, but they kind of like him to be able to use him anytime they want. Mm-hmm. And now with Kimbrell, they get themselves a closer. So, um, you know, they move from Kenley Jansen to Craig Kimbrell. I think that's a really good trade. I took the field. I gave you, I took the Dodgers. I gave you everybody else as much as I hate the Dodgers. And I really hope I buy you lunch one day. My God, that team just went out there and got better. They just, they went out. They kept Kershaw on a one year deal. You've got Walker Buehler. You add Freddie Freeman to that mix. They are just absolutely low. Cody Bellinger, who forgot how to hit the last two years, like he's still there batting like eighth in their lineup. But And he had one of their biggest hits in the postseason when they won the World Series. But, you know, Cody Bellinger was a great player a couple of years ago. He just he had an injury and hasn't been able to get back to hitting the way he used to. You brought this up earlier in the show. The reason why I took the field, the Atlanta Braves, the L.A. Dodgers, the Washington Nationals, the Red Sox, the Astros, the Cubs, the Royals, the Giants, the Red Sox, the Giants, the Cardinals, the Giants, the Yankees, the Phillies, the Red Sox, the Cardinals. You see where I'm going with this? You're not giving me all the – because you just said Red Sox twice. I stopped counting. <laughs> I, think there's, I think there's been 11 different World Series winners since the, Diamond, since the Diamondbacks in 2001. Okay. Anaheim. Anaheim. Florida. Boston. I'm going to write this down. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping okay. track. Anaheim. Anaheim, Florida, Florida Boston, Boston, the White Sox, St. Louis, the Phillies, the Yankees, the Giants, the Royals, the Cubs, the Astros, the Nationals, the Dodgers, the Braves. 14. 14. 14 different World Series champions 14. since the Diamondbacks won those series in 01. Is it like I mean that's everybody that's talks why I about took the field. Yeah, yeah because baseball has you you get a different champion in baseball a whole lot. 14 different teams have won a damn World Series. You know, and the teams that don't want to win it, you know who they are, right? The Pirates have no desire to win it, the Orioles have no desire to win it. There are teams that don't want to spend any money and win it, but uh, and then you could throw in teams that were that didn't win it and even got there. The Colorado Rockies got to a World Series yeah. since 2001. They didn't win it, but they got there. So, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot more parity in baseball than people think. The Suns, moments away from tip-off against Memphis. And they can clinch the all-time franchise record for most wins in a season with a victory tonight. And they're also getting a ton of love for the season that they've had. Is it going to result in any individual success? Well, based off of this article, we're about to tell you about? Yeah, it will. That's next. Burns and Gambo.